We say things that don't mean anything But thanks for listening Hello everybody and welcome to We Say Things episode 225 Sans fan here with Sinner and how did I do? Was I good? You good? Good job. I am yes. robot. I am Cinderin. <laughs> wow, that's spot on. I can't tell a difference. Danish, like and I like Danish. <laughs> How are you, good sir? It's been a while. Good. Yeah. Um, when was the last episode we did? I think two and a half weeks ago or something. So it's been, it's been a little a little moment. But. Yeah, I think this might be our longest break potentially. Let me just to get prepared here, real quick. <sighs> So oh. while you while you crack open a cold one, um, oh, very nice. That now that would be a sponsorship. Um, oh, God, yeah. Where are you right now? Uh, I am in Estonia. Uh, do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to do the In Bruges tier first? Yeah, you know what? Let's let's do the In Bruges tier first. Yeah, you're hosting this time, so. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just figured you know that everything is a bit different, so people are like, wait, what's going on? But we'll get to that. First, we do the In Bruges tier. So thank you to all our patrons as usual, and especially the In Bruges tier, which consists of, Dear Mr. Niebling, could you please explain what it physically means when you exchange electrons with their respective orbitals in T? Okay, you might need some more text space for that one. STGC Daniel, humbled bookmaker, recommends Relic Arena. Please do a belch instead of reading this name. Go ahead. Okay. That was oh, a belch. Close enough. You get a second try. Always get one <laughs> do-over. <laughs> Keep going. Mr. I love the NBA segment. I also love Ben Broomhead. Don't we all? Pepperballs. T-Coil. Q-Ludes is ready to praise the podcast. Stupid Copilot. Lab Dota. Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. Magdev and Disco Farm D. <clears throat> Thank you also to <laughs> the Mega Pope. Zan Xavier, Nate one Hamscroats, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. Shark TM, Janie, Dop, nothing to see here. Eve Remort. Ben Broomhead loves the NBA segment. Sorry, there's no NBA segment today. Uh, what an aftertaste, anonymous, and algae cover up t to 10 to 20% of the Earth's surface, Mr. Niebling. Hmm. That's kind of crazy. That's a crazy stat. What do you count as the surface? If, if it's underwater, it's still the surface, right? I would assume like this, the seabed is also surface. That's got to be the case, right? Otherwise, there's no yeah. way. Yeah. Uh -oh. Thank you, Niebling. We learn something new every time with you, and we forget it 30 seconds later. But it's a great 30 seconds every week. Yeah, it makes me really feel like a goldfish. It's great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's. I guess we can talk where I am right now. Uh, so, obviously, I was in Dubai for a couple weeks, which we'll talk about that tournament since it's so weird. We haven't done anything for three weeks and there's not <laughs> that much to talk about there's been nothing going on? happening uh so yeah we'll talk about that tournament i mean now that we don't have dpc it's like it's a million dollar tournament so it actually is kind of a big one right mm -hmm. a really big one. uh but see so yeah, i was in dubai and then the thing that we're doing was announced right i'm pretty sure pretty positive you mean the one coming up in like less than yeah. a week yes yeah. that was announced a couple yeah. weeks ago Obviously, we I couldn't say this before, but you guys probably took the hint that there's another event, aka Dream League, that Synod and I will be at, uh, and there's a week between them, and it just makes no sense to go back home. I would have been beyond miserable having to do that, so I picked somewhere that's relatively close to Sweden, that isn't Sweden, of course, and I picked Estonia, because Sindarin <laughs> didn't want me to visit him in Denmark, of yeah, course. that's exactly what happened, um, yes. Uh, Buka lives in, oh, right now he's in Estonia. He's kind of a nomad, but at the current point in time, he's in Estonia. So we've been, we've been hanging out, doing normal people things, which is a nice change of pace. And I've been getting a lot of work done. Like it, when I'm in a hotel room and there's no obligations, like mm -hmm. in terms of like doing a tournament, I feel like I really focus in. There's no distractions. It's in Estonia. The weather is atrocious as it will be in Stockholm. So it's not like I can even go outside anyway. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I enjoy it. This is going to be pretty unique for you to go to Stockholm this way, right? Because you're not going to be jet lagged and you're going to be used to the cold. So you're actually kind of, you're just switching countries this time instead of... You think six days is going to help me get adjusted to the cold? I don't know. Well, more than zero days. When Okay, in the winter, mm -hmm. how many layers do you have in your pants area? 
Uh, I have underpants on and jeans. Okay. So the same as always. Because that's what I was basically wearing. Uh, And then I had a t-shirt and a jacket, which wasn't really enough. So yesterday I had a t-shirt, hoodie, and jacket. Yeah, you do three layers on top and two layers on bottom. I wore one of those Ukrainian-Russian hats. I didn't wear Mm -hmm. that, though, but that's just in case I'm really cold. So that's kind of nice to have. But yeah, it's... The weather sucks ass, of course. <laughs> but what You're can spoiled, you Shannon. You're used to always having... It's always sunny. Basically. What's Arizona. the coldest it gets in Arizona? Well, it depends. Like, Arizona's huge. It's like... Okay, let's say where you live, when it's really cold, is it freezing? Yeah, it'll freeze. Okay. For sure. It's just that it, it doesn't uh, snow very often, and if it does, it's very brief. Mm-hmm. Just because during that time of the year, when it when it's that cold, it doesn't typically rain, right? So right. usually the rain comes in the summer, the monsoon season, as it were. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of traveling. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'll talk more about Dubai when we get to that. But I do have a Suns fan recommend syndrome. Mm. You know how often that I buy games? Uh I recommend a lot of games, and you never play any of them, so probably not that often. How do you know that? Have you been snooping on my Steam profile? I just know you as a person, so I have. we've done this for like four years, and I've even in the past recommended great games, and then I ask if you played them, and you never do, so... That's correct. I have watched... I want to say two, but maybe it's only one movie you recommended, and you've played zero of my games, so... I don't know if that's fair. First of all, the, the movie, I made a big deal about it, and I mentioned it literally every week in front of a live audience, and it took you two years to watch it. Okay? But I start but, recommending a game every day. <laughs> and that's an hour and a half commitment. That's it. A game costs money, okay, and it's a larger time commitment to be able to get into it. Okay? How about this? I recommend you a game, and you have to play it until the refund time limit. And then you decide whether it was good or not. What, what is the refund time limit? On Steam? Two hours. Two hours? Mm-hmm. Oh. You can play a game for two hours, and then you can still refund it. Okay, very good. All right, anyway, I have a Sunset Recommends. Uh, mm-hmm. A game that I actually purchased on a whim, because I saw somebody playing it on a Twitch stream randomly. It was actually on the front page of Twitch that actually worked. Oh. Uh, but it's called... The name is terrible, because I never remember it. It's one word, Spell Rogue. Okay. Why is that a bad name? It's just, it's too generic. It's two very generic words slapped together, not memorable at all. Like Warcraft. That's different. That's iconic. And oh, okay. Iconic. Got it. okay. Uh, I'm sure when Warcraft first, I mean, whatever. So anyway, Spell Rogue, if you play Slay the Spire, which mm-hmm. I really liked, but I liked it in a very, sh- in short doses, I guess. Like, it wasn't like, like Hades, uh... I played the shit out of, mm-hmm. and then I beat it, and then I played a little bit longer with Heat, and that was about it. Slay the Spire, I feel like I unlocked all four characters, and a couple of them just were not interesting at all. And the replay value, I know the replay value for a lot of people was really good. For me, it wasn't, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. just didn't find the interest in continuing, but the game was really good. So Spell Rogue, I was saying, it's not a very popular game right now, which is surprising. It's like, it, it takes... Uh, Think of, think of Slay the Spire, pretty much a carbon copy. Like you have this, these three levels that you go through, literally exactly the same. The mm-hmm. graphics are like the style, just depending on what you guys like, but it's more 3D oriented. The graphics are just better. Um, more like Dota, I guess. Uh, and the big difference is when you're making your decks, the, the spells are, or sorry, the, the cards are just spells that you inherently have. So you can have up to six spells essentially okay and you can swap them out at any time like after a battle and you can you throw dice so when you throw dice you can manipulate them with some of your spells and you can do damage with them you can gain armor so a lot of the stuff is the same as what would happen in slay the spire but kind of a cool twist with the the dice because there's just a ton tons of ways to manipulate it like sometimes like just being able to have an even number will allow you to activate a spell and you can activate the spell several times uh, during the course of a battle. So there's a lot of strategy to it. I find it really engaging. I think the one thing that I would say kind of sucks compared to Slay the Spire, and 
is like the story, I guess. Like Slay the Spire, it's very, it's ironic to say because Slay the Spire, I feel like is very minimal story. (laughs) Exactly. It's minimal, but it's like this, it has like a setting. You can just feel the theme, you Mm -hmm. know, like even when you go in these, uh, like what are those things that you like the question marks? Is it you you land on? It has like a little story, like like whatever. You don't read them half the time, but it's some something about it just makes it feel cool, complete, right? Yes. And for this game, there's like basically none of that, but it is early access, so that mm-hmm. could be fixed in the future. So you're not going to get that same feeling, but I think the the gameplay is pretty freaking cool. Uh, right now, there's three characters. I've only unlocked two. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it for people that like Slay the Spire. It's it's definitely an interesting take. They definitely copy a lot from <laughs> Slay the Spire, but I don't see that as a bad thing necessarily. It, it's single player only then. Yeah. And how much is it Correct. on Steam? Uh, was it fifteen dollars? Maybe yeah, that's about the like same that. as Slay the Spire. I think Slay the Spire is a bit more than that. I think it's like twenty or something. Mm. Okay. Cool. Shannon yep. recommended a game. Everyone. There it is. Yep, until the next two years. From I now. will uh, recommend a movie next episode. That was a good one. That was a good one. Oh my god, I can't. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Okay, uh, you've been in uh, Dubai for a Bedboom tourney. Bedboom Dacha. Uh, That's right. I watched quite a lot of this tournament, so I'm pretty much up to date with uh, with how it Who's went and which caster? teams did well. Sorry? That tournament. Who's your favorite caster? Hmm... Probably Lacoste. Um, I thought you were going to say the Russian stream is what you... Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really liked that one. That was mainly what I watched. Uh, Lacoste was featured on that one one time, and that was my favorite cast. That's good. Very good. Um, yeah, so why don't you bring us up to speed with what your experience was with like the tournament itself and uh, the surrounding experience you had being there? Um. Oh, you want to do that first and then the tournament after? Whatever. It's it's your tournament. I wasn't there. So you just... Yeah, you said you watched a ton of it. So you probably watched more than me, honestly. I feel like I wasn't even working. This yeah, was the easiest... I watched, I watched a decent amount of the games. Uh, I probably watched as many as you did. If you only watched the ones you cast. But I'm assuming you watched a bit more on the side, right? But I basically just watched the ones that I cast. Okay. Not anybody. I found the vibe... Okay, I'll just give my take quickly. I found the vibe very unique on it seemed like very playful on the stage with jenkins and with nat like it was almost like uh skit like to an extent like they were it was almost fourth wall breaking like we we are not really going to fully commit to this you know what i mean like they were just kind of fucking around a little bit and that was the vibe uh i don't know if that was by design, or if if it was just because okay, the English production is pretty minimal compared to the Russian one, or what the idea was there, but they were very much just winging it. It felt like a lot of the time. Yeah, so we got there, and it didn't really trigger inside me until I got there that these like Russian slash Ukrainian tournaments that I've been to, like the organizers, mm-hmm. they love themes. Like, can you think of anybody other than Moonduck that has done like a theme? People get dressed up. Like even in Moonduck, we didn't get dressed up though, right? Like we play did a lot of that. Yeah, we play. Yeah, <clears throat> and now Fissure. Uh, I guess Beyond uh, the Summit did it once, maybe, but yeah, I guess that's Beyond the Summit for what tournament? But when you say theme, does it mean that like the whole set and people are dressed like this entirety is in a in that kind of setting? Yeah, the, I mean more so the the attire that you're like you're literally dressed up for the the theme. Maybe not then actually. Yeah, you're probably right. But anyway, uh, yeah, they gave us this very loose theme of Stranger Things. Like, there's a vortex or rift or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's very loose. Uh, and I, I, it's hard for me to tell because I didn't watch any of the Russian stream, but I think they took things more seriously on the Russian stream, and we kind of just fucked around and made it funny. So, yeah, there wasn't any really strict... Uh, it's not like there was a script or anything. But yeah, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. Other than the the clothes, I wasn't a. <clears throat> they didn't wash the clothes very often, so after day two, it started. I would like everybody was smelling awful. I'm like, okay, I'm wearing a t-shirt <laughs> until you guys can wash this. <laughs> so that happened once more. So basically, half the event, I was just in a t-shirt. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead with what? You're the one telling the story. 
No, go. Ahead. That's the story. There, there was a theme, and I kind of, I, I dig that kind of stuff. So the theme was there is a rift, and it's Stranger Things, and you were like, what would I wear in the '80s? And you were like, I would wear the exact same thing in the '80s. Well, every so everybody had different uh, categories, I guess, that they were assigned uh, in terms of like what characters they were. So like Nat and Jenkins as the uh, they weren't the host. I was the host along with B Cup for the English team. They were like uh, stage hosts, and their theme was reporters. Man, I'm not gonna lie. They told us the story, and and I'm, it, a lot of it went out both ears, uh, and we just kind of made our own lore. So I don't even know what is the stuff that we created versus what they actually told us at the beginning. But for us, like me, Kazu, Lacoste, B-Cop, we were uh, supposed to be very arrogant uh, students that were having like a private broadcast to... God, what was the story? It it was a weird one. It really came across on the broadcast, I will say that. I I was... I got it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It was a good story. They would give us the clothes that an arrogant, uh, like, top 1% wealth of student would wear. And they just give me some random long sleeve t shirt, like, long sleeved shirt. I'm like, this isn't really what they would wear, but whatever. It is what it is. But yeah, it was, it was fun to just fuck around. You know? Okay. So you, you split the days in half, right? It was you and Kezu, and then it was Lacoste B Cup casting every game, right? The whole way. Well, there was uh, a third you... screen during the groups that was just remote that yeah, uh, okay. Ricky or Cryptic was casting. Yeah. What was your... Uh, I mean, like I said, I, w- I was watching a decent amount of the games. What was the biggest surprise or what was the best game you cast? Just some more tournament stuff. Uh, honestly, if I can be totally upfront, I thought the game quality was pretty bad. I think the patch is kind of boring. Okay. Uh, I don't know how you feel. There was mm. game two of the Falcons finals against Liquid that they forgot the refresher shard in the pit, and that's the most fun I had of casting, mm-hmm. probably. Because you got to scream, it. and you love yeah. screaming. There weren't really that many. Like, there were a ton of stunts. Like, this was the main issue with this patch so far, is sometimes the team, and I know this has happened in other patch, but it feels like it has happened more consistently where... Uh, somebody just wins the laning stage. The game's over at five minutes. It literally feels like that, but it takes 40 minutes to end. Mm-hmm. Like, casting a game like that, this is the first time it was a Falcons game, I remember. They were very Tundra-like. Everything's super methodical. They won the laning stage hard, and they're just taking things so slow. I was so bored out of my mind. I literally said that over and over during the game. This is the worst game of Dota that I have oh, ever Oh, yeah, cast. I watched I watched. <laughs> livid at the post-game. As Next game know, can only be better than this because this is the worst game I've ever cast. Like legitimate, like as a viewer, what did you think? Because as you know, uh, when we cast together, even when the game is really boring, we try to like make it more interesting. Like obviously, we can have our conversations, but I have never been that mind-numbingly fucking bored during a game. Holy shit, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's very difficult to design Dota around that. To be honest, I think it's just naturally going to happen in some games. The problem is if it happens in half the games, right? If it happens sometimes, it's okay. You know, like one team gets ahead, maybe it's difficult to end, but you need to win more before you can end. Um, maybe this patch has a little bit more of it than the previous one did. I think I could see that. Um, I think going but, I mean, it's not particularly okay. entertaining that one team is ahead by 20k and then they're ahead by 25k and 30 and 35 and nothing's happening, you know. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, but they're playing to win. I don't blame them in the slightest. It doesn't No, it's not, it's not the team's fault. Yeah. I think going high ground is just too hard if you can be up that much that early you should be able to finish the game in 15 minutes like in theory Mm -hmm. that's how it should be designed but it's really hard to make it so it's not too snowbally as well so yeah imagine imagine if you could win really fast how like chen would just be even more broken i mean ti4 was uh or the tail end of it was basically that right yeah so it's it's very difficult. I think it's it's one of those things where people will always complain about any given patch that this or that hero is broken or this or that playstyle is too strong or whatnot. But you really need to appreciate when you have a quote unquote balanced patch because it's 
honestly, even if you're like really, really good at game design, I think Dota is just too complicated that you can't you can't predict when you're making changes whether it's going to be balanced or not. And you need to you need to make the changes significant enough that people are excited to play, right? So you want to shake things up, new items, new heroes, new balancing. Uh, all this stuff, and there's always going to be ten interactions you didn't think of. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be blah blah. It's it's a mess. Well, I so. agree, but I do think that they could probably patch the game a little bit more often. I'd agree with they, that. Like with these B, C, and D patches, like they're good for the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But how often do they have something that changes, like armor to towers being lower, for example, like anything that's not to do with items and heroes? Right. I feel like they could, they could stray away a bit. And just make high ground a little bit easier for the time being, because it's not like this is new. This has been a thing for like a couple months now, you know. Right. So, but yeah, it is unbelievably hard to balance this game. So the thing that's a concern, I think, for for the devs is that if you make the base easier to push, we need to remember that our perspective is essentially, for the most part, pro Dota and high level games compared to the average player. And in patches where going high ground is easy, uh, there's way fewer comebacks, and people give up easier. So the game quality, a lot of the time, can be tied to how easy it is to end. Or if games mm-hmm. are easy to end, people are just more likely to forfeit, and that's not interesting, right? So I think one of the things that was celebrated when High Ground got harder was that a lot of people were reporting, oh man, I'm making epic comebacks that I didn't use to make. Oh, we're playing 60-minute games, they're long, but at least we feel like we can win. Um, and like, how do you balance this game for 2K MMR and 12K at the same time? I just, I genuinely think that is impossible. So you need to find this healthy medium where there's going to be some give and take here and there. That's also why some heroes that are never played in pro still get nerfed because, you know, in low-level pub games, they might be too good. You know, there are some heroes that I would love to see that just aren't good enough at a pro level. But if you buff them a lot, they're going to have 60% win rate in Herald. And then it's like, okay. So, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult. Okay, we can talk a bit about... Uh... The tournament itself, the standings and whatnot, and then I can talk about Dubai, mm-hmm. I suppose. So, group stage, Aurora and VP were eliminated in group A. Nouns and OG eliminated in group B. Oh, yeah, now, we didn't our... do a prediction for this one, did we? Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't think well, so. We... Yeah, we did let's, not. Let's try to do one for Dream League, then. Sure. After this. Uh, as in this episode? We can yep. do that. Yep. So OG was very surprising because they came in. I remember predicting them to win a lot more games because they crushed the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they got destroyed, and we'll talk about their change after this. Now it's not that big of a surprise. Uh, anything surprising in the group stage standings? Not really. I feel like Aurora hasn't been doing too hot lately. Uh, I think VP is one of those teams that can get especially through the groups, but can even get like top six, top four, but their group is just fucking stacked. Like, look at that group. LGD, Liquid, Gaming Gladiators, Falcons, and Aurora, right? It's just, it's always going to be hard. It's funny that that group was a four-way tie for first, by the way. Uh, Four teams got six and four in that one, so that just goes to show how tight it was, right? And Aurora and VP, despite not making it, it wasn't like they got crushed. They went three and seven, which, you know, isn't great, but it's not like 0 and 10 or 1 9. They won games off these strong teams, but just not enough. Uh, now it's an OG getting knocked out. Their group was Bet Boom, Azure Race, Spirit, and Extreme. Honestly, also not surprising. I think I would have picked those two teams to get bottom there, even with OG doing well in the quals. It's just uh, the quality of teams in these groups was extremely high. So, yeah, probably the teams I would have picked to lose lost. Not surprising, really. Yeah, and I think the entire tournament, when I predicted Betboom to win, they would lose, and vice versa. They are the most up-and-down team. I think we cast two games in a row where they were up 5K in the laning stage, mm-hmm. which for literally every other team throughout the entire tournament means a win. And for them, they threw both times in very embarrassing fashion, and I lost faith horribly. And then right after that, they won like every game. <laughs> Until until you people. believed and then they lost again. <laughs> Just yeah, and then I started believing and then they lost horribly. So I don't know. Uh, weird. Do you sometimes feel like you have powers? Of course. You know, like it's funny, it isn't it? So yeah, um, uh, we get to the finals part. Let's just go over top four. Um were the games close? Do you feel like it was the 
not the right team that won because I always feel like that's kind of stupid. Did did it feel like this was how it was going to pan out when you reached top four? That this was going to be the placements or? Um, yeah, it wasn't that big of a surprise. I mean, Azure Ray was a wild card for me because I hadn't seen them that much up until the tournament start, but they looked pretty good. A bit shaky at times. I think Extreme Gaming going out earlier was surprising because they crushed the group stage. Then they go out 2-0 to Falcons and then 2-0 to Liquid right away. They just dropped out immediately. I mean, those so are two bit... pretty tough draws, right? Yeah, Those two teams got first and second, so... Yeah. But yeah, it just it did feel like Falcons were on another level, for sure. I mean, when I came to the Grand Finals versus Liquid, I think Game 2 was the one that Liquid could have won. The other two weren't remotely close. Mm -hmm. So I think... Game 3 was... for me was a big outdraft. Was it? it? It was funny. It was funny listening to you two on the panel. You and Kezer were talking about this Huskar pick and how uh, no other team would pick it here, and that it was a specialist thing. To me, I looked at the draft now. I was just like, "This is a fucking awesome Huskar game." So I just had a different vibe with that. I was like, in "It's Falcons." Yeah, wasn't that the last game? Didn't they Huskar no. them in Game Three? Am I am I mixing this up with another game? You're mixing it up. Oh wait, Huskar hang on. was Game Three of Upper Bracket between Betboom Falcons. Uh. Uh, yes, that's right. It was the yeah. That sorry, my bad. Yep, that one. Um, yeah, so yeah, never mind. That's a different story then. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, the the part of the finals I saw is pretty much the same vibe. Like Falcons were just they're just better. Um, I mainly watched game three and like Liquid had one good fight that maybe could have given them a shot, but they just got crushed way too hard early in the game. Like they were very far behind minute ten, like you said, and Falcons just. They don't lose those games. So I think in the history of the game, I think the team with the highest win rate with an early lead, and this is just purely anecdotal, I just feel like Tundra never lost games when they were yep. ahead in the lanes and Falcons is continuing the carrying on the torch with some of the same players and the same coach. I think this is something AUI is very adamant about in the way he coaches teams. I think he's very focused on the small things and on uh, keeping on just building He's very nerdy in his approach to the game, which I think is very good in this aspect. So I think they're drilling the laning stage, they're drilling the little things, and then they're just building on top of it, like building blocks and just making sure to... Maintaining the lead is like the biggest skill you can have in Dota because you're going to get the lead in a lot of games when you're this good. And if you can keep it the whole way, then it's just a free win every time, right? So, um, yep. It takes the methodical nature of Tundra, but then adds a little spice with Malreen and Amar. Yeah. They're always fun characters. Um, Bedboom got third. Do you feel like that was a good result for them? I mean, yeah, considering how many times they threw in embarrassing mm -hmm. fashion. Yeah, I think so. They got 2-1 two, two in the upper final and 2-1 two, two in the lower final. So they were one game off twice of getting to the yeah. final. So very close, uh, but not quite. So yeah, that's the top four. Falcons won, Liquid second, Bedboom third, and Azure fourth. And we, with no information we have whatsoever from Valve, we're going to assume that this is one of the events that will be considered for TI invitations. Uh, so obviously for those four teams, this is very good in particular for Falcons, but also for Liquid, who, if you keep getting second places in everything, you're obviously going to get invited, right? Um, and they're continuing that streak. They're probably, as usual, sad they don't win the tournament, but um, the silver lining here is that Getting second here is really fucking good because these teams were like, the average quality of team participating in this tournament was very high. So, yep. And I'm happy good. for Crit to be back in his winning ways after being stuck in NA for how many years now? So I think his last land win was 2019 or 2018. Was it? I thought it would be with OG. Isn't that too late for OG? No, because they. I think he won one land after that. Really? I, I'm forgetting which one it is. Yeah, I think it was 2019. I, I saw someone checked it. It was 2018 or 2019. Um, I can check. Manila Masters. How big? That's a tier one tournament. Yeah, he won that with EG, I think. 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. Really? Okay. Holy shit. Okay. I thought that was later. Well. I didn't realize EG won anything. <laughs> I don't remember that. I at mean, all. it's six and a half years ago, right? You're, you're gonna. There are so yeah. many tournaments; it drowns it out eventually. So, um, okay, cool. Uh, tell me a bit more. There was one v one tournament, which is very unique. How's that like? Were you casting any of that? No, I didn't cast any of it. Okay. So I just had the whole day off, 
So that was the uh, Carson Beacock casting every game, or yeah, and I, I didn't cast any. I mean, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't watch any of it either because I find one v ones. I don't know how you feel. Maybe we've had this discussion. I find them unbelievably boring because for some reason, and maybe you know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Who created this trend of you need two kills or the tower? It should be fucking first blood. That's it. That makes it so much more exciting. Like yeah. why? Why? elongate this i mean in reality how often do you lose after first blood well exactly but then it's it so just yeah this kind of point right yeah it, it's kind of it's kind of like dota in general where it's like yeah where you have a chance of coming back as the team that lost all three lanes and are down 10k at minute 15 but really it happens two percent of the time is and this then, something that Valve did a long time ago that people are just copying because i, I every don't know if it was their rules I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think first blood, first blood, first tower, or fifteen minutes CS is fine. I don't think the second kill is necessary either. Uh, I didn't watch much of the one v ones. I would imagine that nobody lost after getting first blood. Uh, that would just be my guess. like at this level. That's just very unlikely to happen. Because even if I let's think it may you, have happened, it may have happened. Once. Let's say you trade and you kill you kill someone and you're mega low. You used all your resources on killing them and then you suicide to the tower. You're still way ahead, right? Like the worst yeah. thing that can happen is that you kill your opponent and you stay in lane with nothing and then they come back, kill you and then win. So the, that's just like the one thing you can't do. If you don't do that, I think getting first blood should be a win nine out of 10 times, probably. Um, yeah, I like the, I mean, the pick ban situation. I thought was kind of cool. I heard there was an unbelievably boring matchup, which was Hoodwink versus Hoodwink, oh my which God. nobody ever got a kill in. It was just 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think definite room for improvement. It's, I mean, it's it's cool that there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line mm-hmm. for a one v one. The the idea is amazing. It's just you got to have better rules. I don't know who they're copying, but those were awful. I guess uh, now that we mentioned that tournament, let's go over who won prizes because this was a forty player tournament. Uh, I'll go over the biggest stories for me. Story number one: Blitz got top sixteen, uh, which I think is hilarious. Uh, the coach of Liquid, who I don't know what MMR he has and how much Dota he even plays compared to these pros, so that was funny. Uh, Quinn got last. That was also fun. Um, and then the top eight in order, so fifth through eighth got the same prize, which was Ori, Squadix, Setsu, and Save. So Save, the standout there, being at position four. He got top eight. Third, fourth was GPK and Boxy who is position yeah. four for Liquid. So position four getting third, fourth, to me, is awesome. The guy's very good at the game. He almost made the finals, actually. Uh, lost out to XM, I believe. And then the finals, Nisha versus XM. Nisha came up uh, as the winner there. So Liquid got a first place on one player uh, in this tournament. And that's something to be proud of. I think winning a tournament of this kind is is extremely difficult. Uh, the level of play there is is huge. And... I, I don't know how this worked with the signups, like that there could be, uh, if it was anybody who wants to join can, uh, the OG's, um, OG's manager bonkers also played. He's like, I think he's two and a half or three K or something. He also played the tournament. Uh, cheated. I think he lost. <laughs> yeah, he, he was telling us that he was going to pick Chen, go into the jungle, which is against the rules and immediately get, get disqualified. <laughs> I don't know what would happen. Uh, that's probably less embarrassing than playing the lane for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so that was that. Lots of really good players in this tournament. And just to mention some of the people that did not place in the prizes, not to highlight them or make them look bad, it's to make the winners look good. A lot of the players that didn't place in the prizes would be Stormstormer, Shiro, Malreen... Uh, you had Gunner, you had XXS, Amar didn't place, uh, Armel didn't place, Laurel didn't place, Laurel got last, together with Quinn, 33 didn't place, Mika didn't place, uh, and obviously there's a lot of other really high skill players that didn't place. UFY, Toronto, Tokyo, yeah, a lot of big names. Yeah, just a, a lot of those aren't necessarily mid players, right? I was mainly highlighting yeah. the core players or the ones that Toronto, have Tokyo. played the role, but One yeah, Toronto, Tokyo could have, you're right, he could have definitely done well. Um, but yeah, it's cool. I honestly, I think this is a really, really good flavor to have on a tournament, and I hope Valve does it for TI again. They had one year with a one v one tournament. I remember uh, both the fans and the pros watching it on uh, the pros were watching it on the screens and getting pretty hyped over it, cheering for their teammates and shit. I just think it's a really good vibe. Um, so, like you said, if you have good rules, 
and the implementations, right? I think the biggest problem at TI was uh, scheduling with, um, you know, you wanted to give the players the same amount of rest and the same amount of prep time, but then if your player's in the 1v1 tournament, you're taking time away. But come on, if we have a five-day break, can't we have a 1v1 tournament during that one, you know? I think that would yeah. be a great way to to keep the hype for the tournament and the event going into the final stage. Uh, and then if some teams and players go home and therefore don't participate, then that's what that is. Um, yeah, you could make it, like, imagine if Slacks was the one uh, organizing that. Mm -hmm. You'd make it like a WWE type thing. Yeah. Where, like, you can make it so exciting. And then obviously, like you said, the rules need to change to be first blood, but it would be hype for sure. And if you made it opt in so anyone could play including supports and offlaners and whatnot then maybe some of the knocked out teams would still uh you know get some more screen time with some of their players and if they're sticking yep. around anyway doing nothing that way they can still be activated and um arguably you could even say that the, the players that are knocked out have more to play for because they don't have this other thing that they need to prepare for at the same time so they can just give it their all right i don't know i think it could be fun um Agreed. And I think this prize is fine. I think, especially with where TI was at last year with the prize pool, maybe you can make it a quarter million or something for this. And I personally, I wouldn't even mind if you took it out of the main tournament prize pool, to be honest, to make something like this. As long as the thing you could argue is that it's unfair because mid players have an advantage. But as we saw in this event, uh, the skill level of these players across the board is so high that non core players can get top four. And Boxy could have even made the finals, right? So if you're good enough, and if you know it's coming up for TI, you can start practicing for it if you think it's fun. And sure. it's obviously still not the primary tournament. So anyway, yep. that would be cool. Totally agree. Okay. Uh, any last comments on Shawarma? <laughs> yeah, Dubai. I mean, the sad thing is, like, obviously the players are all busy, like, playing and... Mm -hmm strategizing and then it's mostly just uh like russian talent and whatever so it's just six of us and lacoste and b cop on total opposite schedules so it's just me kazu his girlfriend as you know uh and then jenkins and nat are just working the <laughs> working the whole day hmm. so i have a lot of time off i spent a lot in my hotel room honestly i didn't get to see very much which is pretty sad i think i missed out on an opportunity to see the dubai mall have you heard of this split this this thing it's like enormous right i think i've heard of this yeah it so i didn't know it was connected but i heard that there was like a i thought it was a hotel that had the uh like a ski resort kind of thing mm -hmm. like what the f apparently that's in the mall so the mall is the biggest mall in the entire world and it apparently is just fucking absurd sadly didn't go get to see that okay. uh but just walking around from hotel to hotel uh, they were, they put us in a ridiculous like five star or six star. I don't know what the hell they were hotels that are just right on the the beachfront. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so just walking around and seeing all these huge skyscrapers. Location is ridiculous. It is beyond absurd. It really. It, I thought it would be. It, they, they everybody calls it the Vegas of the Middle East without mm -hmm. the alcohol and the hookers and the gambling <laughs> and all that. And the gambling. So, so, so what then? <laughs> it's just the idea of this extravagance, right? Uh -huh. Which is true, except <clears throat> I noticed that, like, I've been to Vegas a few times, unfortunately, one of my least favorite locations on earth. Mm -hmm. It's very condensed in one area for Vegas. Dubai is fucking enormous. I couldn't believe how big it was. Mm -hmm. Like, to get to the mall is a 20 minute drive. The traffic was also terrible. Uh, but, I'd love to go back to see the mall. Uh, the weather was very good, slightly humid for me, but that's because I'm used to being dry. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I th I thought the tournament was fun, and the hotels there are just... So this is one thing I'll say. Okay. I'm not going to say where they get the money, because I have no idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there is no way... Like I've definitely never seen a tournament that has cost this much to run. I did the math on how much just hotel rooms would be mm -hmm. okay for the players for the talent and it's in the millions just for hotel think about that for a second 
I, I don't know if a tournament has ever been held that has been this expensive. There might not be a more expensive location on Earth um, to host a tournament. Like, well, TI has definitely been more expensive, but let's take that one out of the equation, right? Um, well, what, what do you mean? How so? Duration, amount of teams, all the stuff around it, production. The production for TI is extremely expensive. No, I'm, not, I'm not talking about production then. Yeah. So okay. I'm just talking about logistics. Okay. There's no way any tournament beats this one. There's um, zero chance. Maybe. I'd be so, so the first, I remember the first epicenter in Moscow mm. um, was in a really extravagant hotel as well. And that had an arena and a live audience, which I'm assuming was also, I don't know. How many teams did we have back then? Maybe, maybe it's comparable. I, I don't fucking know. It's hard to say. Um, Either way, it's crazy. But yeah, I'll, quick, I'll quickly chime in on your whole Vegas thing. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before. Vegas, to me, I've been there once. I was there for a Dota tournament of all things. Um, really? Which, yeah. Which tournament? Uh, I forgot what it was called. Um, was it the ESL or the, the EG one? It was, it was called something with ES something, I think. Uh, hang on. Las Vegas Dota 2 Tour. I'm going to just look it up here. Um... I think it was 2018. I, I remember. Yes, here it is. It was called World Showdown of Esports, WSOE. And I was there with Happy Guys. We got third uh, out Happy of eight. Guy. Was Yapsor on that team? No, it was me, Illidan, Boogie, Aframush, and then we had Tomato as a stand in, and he played very well that tournament. Um, oh. So the thing i remember about this place is that it is the most non place i've ever been it's like there are so many people and so many buildings and nobody lives here it's like very it's like eerie because everything is a facade so you feel like you are somewhere that isn't real and everything is designed to be that illusion you know what i mean so when you said that about dubai i just thought that was kind of interesting because you know a lot of people live there right it's not like a it's not a fake city in the same way as Las Vegas is. And I know people also live in Las Vegas, but like comparatively, it's, it's like a 90% tourist or whatever you want to call it. I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass, but you know what I mean? Um, Did you like Vegas? Not in particular. Um, you like poker and stuff, right? That's yeah, I didn't, I didn't go to play there. I wasn't nearly as much into it as I am now, for example. And we were playing Dota, right? We were spending our time on that. I just what, remember... What what's that? What year was this? 2018 so you went to vegas in 2018 you didn't come visit me that's true how does that happen when did we start our podcast i guess it was later later yeah way later it's literally an hour drive from me wait that's not right i don't know i don't remember how long far it is it's not that far (laughs) five hour drive i I don't think it would have crossed my mind back then i don't even know if there was i don't even know if i was casting during this phase whatever i genuinely don't remember um I must have been because I was casting TI that year. As, yeah. As okay. always. Yeah, as usual. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so we were. The memories I have of this was the hotel we were in, just you just walk into a casino, you know? It's just a part of the hotel is literally walking through slot machines to get to the lobby. Um, I remember uh, we went out for a really nice dinner after the tournament was over. We went to Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse. That was really good. Um, and then I just remember walking the little distance we had from the hotel to the venue where we were playing and walking through that. And just when you walk there in the evening, everything was just fucking huge LED displays, cars everywhere with just, you know, there's just, everything was just lights. It was just Mm -hmm. lights and screens and the people there felt like they were going somewhere. You know, everybody was going somewhere. Um, it's just a very weird sensation but when you said that dubai is like that of the middle east you didn't mean it in that way right it's more like just the aesthetic of like huge extravagant or also people described it to me and i'm saying i did not find it to be that way i I mean you can make some comparisons with how extravagant it is but yeah and it is fake right like the the beaches are completely man-made and all that Mm. but it doesn't feel the same as vegas to me at all okay vegas feels cheap even though it looks crazy, it feels very cheap to me. Uh, whereas Dubai felt like a resort. Right. 
Okay, uh, let's move on. We're going to talk Dream League. So, like you already said, we're going there. Uh, the tournament starts on, I believe, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. It starts on Sunday or Monday this week. So, very soon. Very soon. Um, yeah, I see here group stage. Yeah, it starts on Sunday. That's correct. Okay, um, and we're going to be there for a little over two weeks, I think. Basically two weeks. The tournament concludes on March 10th. So, it's a two-week wow. tournament. Um, we will be... Recording an episode or two while there, surely. Maybe we can get a guest. We wink, are wink. getting a guest. Let's announce it. Oh, yeah. Why not? He, so he begged us now several <laughs> times. We saw the Shane episode. He's like, all right, it's time. This is the last time I'm going to ask. Pyrian Flack will be our guest. We'll make it work. Yep. So we'll have an episode with Pyrian and maybe a second one while we're there. Um, let's do predictions. So there's a, this is also a really stacked tournament with international participation. So there's all the regions are represented here, I believe. Uh, group A will be Azure Ray, Bet Boom, G2IG, Game and Gladiators, Heroic, which is an SA team now. If you are into CS, this is not a Danish team. Uh, OG, Falcons, and Virtus Pro. And Group B is one win, which I will just clarify that is an Eastern European team with mostly not so known players for the Western scene. Maybe Sweden Strong is the most familiar name because he played on Navi for a short while. Aurora, Shopify Rebellion, Liquid, Secret, Spirit, Tundra, and Extreme. What a fucking lineup. Um, let's do a top three prediction. Um, top three of groups or top three of tournament? Of tournament. Do you want to do in order or just any top three? Uh, we can do, yeah, any top three probably. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be a loser and say Falcons. So a- any order, yeah. Yeah, any order. Okay. Ooh. Mm. So we don't know who. I I guess we can. Yeah, and we can just put it as part of this. Yuragi is out of OG now. Mm-hmm. We don't know who is going to be playing for them. The rumors Uh, are Watson is what I've heard is a potential pickup. And I heard that, well, on a Reddit post. I don't know if it's if it's uh, reliable, but that Twenty Three Savage has been bought out by an org. Twenty Three Savage is also a rumor. Yeah, both of those are rumors. So, uh. Group B looks weak, really weak. Well, it has spirit and liquid in it, and extreme. Yeah. There's there's some good teams, but like compared to Group A, I don't know. Uh, all right, bet boom, bucket okay. means they're gonna get last place. And they just need to get top three. They did that this time as well. So all right, I'm not gonna go with liquid for once. Uh, I'm not gonna go for spirit either. Okay. I'll say Extreme will get their shit together after an embarrassing drop out of that last tournament. Okay. So Falcons, Betboom, Extreme for you. I will say Azure Ray. Of course. Why don't you put two Chinese teams? <laughs> I'll put teams. Azure Ray, Spirit, and... Liquid. I am not putting Falcons in top three. Mm, okay. um, my main reason for this is with Tundra as well in the past, I feel like the team, you would probably agree with this, was a little bit like hot and cold. They had amazing tournaments and then they had mediocre tournaments, but they rarely went on like a tear where there were like months or weeks streak where they did very well. So I think there's a decent chance other teams catch up or figure them out a little bit for this event. Um, but I'm not going to be surprised if they do great again. And I don't think they're going to bomb out. I think they're going to get top six probably, but um, I think the other teams will. If there's a patch. Yeah, that's true as well. But that patch has to drop pretty fucking soon if they want it before the tournament. But I guess... I I mean, An AUI team will be able to take advantage of a new patch better than the average team, probably. So I have um, faith. I want to say yes and no. Because I think, like we talked about, he's really good at the nerdy stuff, but I think perhaps getting all of those very little details figured out might take a little bit longer 
than, you know, the overarching, oh, this hero combination or this way of playing will be really good right now and kind of just winging it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a hit or miss, actually, because typically uh, after a patch, he'll look at it and he'll be convinced of something yeah. and they're going to try it and it could be amazing, it could be terrible. I think he I think he gets really, really good at figuring out the absolute like how to squeeze the last five percent out of something when you find out the first ninety five first. And a lot of the times with a new patch, it's not really about the little interactions, it's about the macro shit. Like, okay, these ten heroes are just overpowered or this mechanic is too strong, like whether it's healing, regen, whatever. Um you know, this kind of thing. So that's just my hunch. Um but anyway, who knows if we're even getting a patch, so uh, okay, that's our predictions for Dream League. I have them written down, Shannon. We will remember. Very good. Good job. Uh, as you already alluded to, Yuragi is uh, put on the inactive roster for OG, so he hasn't officially kicked. I think maybe he is looking for another team. Maybe they're trying to sell him. Maybe this is on some sort of a break. But the writing on the wall here, at least, is that OG will be getting another carry, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, I really like the guy, so I wish him all the best. And it sounds like... Uh, especially bonkers i saw a tweet from him i think he he really likes the guy as well i think they had a very good relationship within the team uh bonkers being the manager of the team on site uh so i think he in particular would have probably really liked things to work out but sometimes they just don't and this i don't know the inner workings of this team but i would like to think this isn't a personal thing whatsoever or a dynamic with between the players but just that the play styles are the how to say I think it's in the game that the problem is, not outside of the game. That would be my mm-hmm. guess, based on the bit I know about Yuragi. He seems like a good dude. Um, so yeah, good luck to OG with whatever they do, and good luck to Yuragi. And then finally, our last topic of the day, which I don't know why this one is last, because it's kind of the juiciest one. Uh, this is a bit old news at this point, because this happened like 13 days ago, but we haven't had an episode for a while. Overplus got banned. Uh, To give a little context, if you guys don't know what this is, it's essentially a tool that you could buy, which is a third-party software that people could buy to run together with Dota. Uh, And what it would do was it would give you information that is otherwise unobtainable. So it was effectively mining stuff out of the game that the average player couldn't have access to, such as uh, players' recent win rates, uh, what heroes they played, uh, which players are going to be in the opposing team while you're loading uh kind of information that's just not that's just hidden uh and you could not um protect yourself from this even by having a private profile because even though your stuff isn't on dota buff or whatever from pubs uh people could still find it with this tool so it was there was a discussion about whether this was a cheat or not as far as i'm concerned this is not a gray area it's just flat out a cheat um and valve seemingly have the same perspective but they didn't make any official announcement about it they just out of the blue kind of made like a honeypot i would like to think uh, if you remember with the cheating scandal or not scandal the cheating uh band wave they did and then don't they, they really <laughs> enjoy it. yeah they do this this strategy where they uh, this is supposedly the way you combat cheaters in uh, in games by the way is that you you give away as little as possible so when you do catch them you ban them in waves and you don't make it ob- you don't make it obvious how you found out so that mm-hmm. they have a harder time counter strategizing you with your cheat um so effectively, from one day to the next, tens of thousands of players and accounts just got VAC banned out of nowhere. Uh, and people were going through their game history to check how many people got VAC banned. And there was this post from an immortal player on the subreddit who went over his game history from like his last 50 games or something. I think all games apart from one had an overplus user. Minimum one. All wow. games. Wow. So that means effectively his last 50 games there was a banned player in every fucking game. There's no like uh there's no oh, retroactive like MMR given or anything, right? I don't think so. No, I think that that's too complicated. I mean, you could void all the games. You could be like every game that had an overplus user in it on either team just gets voided. That is a possible solution, I suppose. Uh I don't know if that was just deemed not worth it or uh, the fans were uh, remind me how long was the duration like 10 years uh whatever the maximum back ban is i think i think it's like 10 years yeah is that the maximum i feel like maximum would be permanent like the, 100 the, years. the thing about vac bans is when you're vac banned you can't trade 
right? So effectively, mm -hmm. every account that used Overplus had its inventory frozen. So you're not only losing your access to play Dota, you lose your inventory. Um, and that means there's some serious monetary hits here on some of the accounts because some people were using this on accounts that might have had hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of items and Valve just essentially just confiscated them, right, by doing this. So, um, yeah, this was massively celebrated on the subreddit. There was some debate, as usual, with this where some people are claiming this isn't a cheat, you know, just play more heroes. Uh, some people were saying a way of combating Overplus is to just make the information that Overplus gathers available to everyone in the game. Um, which is a bit similar to something that some poker sites allow and some don't, which is called a HUD, where you can keep track of how people play during your game. So effectively you could see, okay, this player puts money into this many pots, this is when they do it, this is where they do it. Um, so essentially it's the same for everyone in that sense, whereas some sites and poker will just ban that and say we don't want that in our client. This is a similar discussion here where it's like, okay, are you going to just give this information to everyone so it's a level playing field, but you kind of feel like the rules are kind of dumb to begin with? Or do you disallow them and then some people will try to take advantage of it, right? Um, mm. I personally am a big fan of Valve's stance on this. I don't think this should be in the game. I think the hidden aspect of drafting and the hidden aspect of strategy is a part of the game. Um, and especially, it shouldn't be available to some people, but not others. So... In my order of preference, what Valve did is the best, and the second best is to give it to everyone, but I really would not like that. So Yeah, there was a post today, uh, supposedly they found a way around it, which I don't know if that's true. I don't even know how to verify that, uh, but you would assume that eventually they'd get banned again, so I don't know. Uh, also should mention that this should not be confused. This is over plus and not over Wolf, two right. completely different programs. And Dota Plus. Uh, as far as I know, over Wolf... Uh, is not a cheat. Mm -hmm. I, have, I think I used it like five years ago or something, just briefly, just to see what it was like. But uh, as far as I know, it just scrapes stuff that you can get on Dota Buff. So it's not right. like it just makes it slightly more convenient. Um, but yeah, according to the dev, nobody's been banned for using that one. So yeah. Um, and one one more thing on this topic is supposedly the overplus devs are very um adamant that like you said they are going to find a way to combat this and they're going to find a way around it so they're kind of doubling down and they're playing the victim card that valve are going to war with them or something when you guys are the ones that made a cheat so i don't know what the fuck that angle is but whatever you can do to justify it i guess um this uh the community, the main response I've seen is people are laughing at it and being like, good luck, guys, you're going up against Valve. But I think people should try should understand that this kind of battle between cheat and anti-cheat goes on forever. And Valve are not default winners here by being a big corporation because at the end of the day, they need to distribute resources to it, they need to solve it, and they always need to... It's like the dynamic goes like this. Anti-cheat gets updated. It fucks up the cheaters. The cheaters figure out what the anti-cheat did to detect them. They try to bypass it. They get a leg up. Then the anti-cheat needs to find a way to beat them again. And it's like this wave that just keeps on going forever. So the people that are laughing this off and just saying, good luck, you don't stand a chance against Valve. I think that's a naive perspective. And I think you need to be vigilant as a game dev always uh, in a competitive game that you, cheating is a thing you're combating for the lifetime of the game. I don't think yeah, you have, ever solve it. So I have a question. I already know what your answer is going to be, mm -hmm. but it's it's an important question to ask. So as far as I know, <clears throat> this Overplus, one of the features is to, I don't know exactly how it works. I went on their site briefly before the podcast, but you it gives you skins that you can, like, does it change the files on your computer to be skins that you don't own? Something like that? That's my understanding? Yeah, I think effectively you can give yourself any item in the game, but it's only for you. The other people on the server side can't see it. Right. So, do you think that that had any bearing into Valve banning them? Like, if that didn't exist, do you think they still would have gotten banned? I think they or still would have gotten banned, but I don't know if it gave them... Hmm. That's a good question, like whether that made them focus on it more than they would otherwise. Right. Uh, I don't know the track record of similar mods because there's been other mods that had skin changing, right? And I don't know if they've been struck down on on the same in the same way. I don't. 
I would like to think that if you did a skin changer mod only, um, that Valve wouldn't vac ban you. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think they would do that for it. I maybe. I remember Envy but... used to stream with some of those. Yeah, and he's not vac banned as far as I know. So yeah, that's probably a good uh, comparison. But I ca I can't say for sure. Like obviously, if people have skin changing mods and therefore don't buy skins, it's costing Valve money, right? If you want to be really pragmatic about it, so. I definitely think it's in Valve's interest to not have skin mods, but I don't think specifically that this was targeted because of that, because that was one functionality it has. But the the really yeah, the really destructive feature is that it makes people's game quality worse, right? Um, mm. So yep, good stuff. Valve has been very vigilant this last year and a half or so at enticing these cheaters in banning them swiftly and then <laughs> off the tears of their posts on reddit so yeah. glad to see a very uh what would be the description what would be a good way to describe somebody that does that uh your english is better than mine of course i don't even know what you're going for uh it's it's almost like one of these There's got to be a good word for it. It's, it's not a villain, but it's somebody that really enjoys uh, getting justice in this fashion, but they... Oh. Mm. And they're not merciful, you know? Anyway. Oh, there is whatever. a really good word. Now it's bothering me too. Wonderful. Oh, it's in chat. Scientologist. There it is. Yes. Uh, so far, the suggestions are holy based, trapdoor spider, Scientologist, and sadist. Uh, vigilante yeah, uh, vigilante is probably the best one so far uh, um, i guess let's go with scientologists i really that yeah. really tickled me. valve are really showing their scientologist side with this band wave very good uh, uh thanks for that donut that's a great <laughs> i my vocabulary gets tested on the daily it's good we have you for <laughs> for some help very good i appreciate that okay all right that's the end, eh? I, you can bid us adieu, actually. Nice change of That's pace. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. That was episode 225. Suns fan, that's me, and Cinderin, that's you. Signing out. Bye-bye. We say things that don't mean anything. Oh, that's pretty good. thanks for listening. Yeah.